Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Wednesday. This is Seattle Now. Non-presidential elections aren't always the biggest draw for voters. Even with the future of the city council on the ballot, KUOW editor Kat Smith is watching early returns. We'll have the latest in a minute. But first, let's get you caught up. The intersection where Janavi Kandula was killed will become the city's first protected intersection. That means it's designed to support and prioritize safety for non-motorized traffic. In this case, more traffic signals and greenways. The plan for the intersection at Thomas and Dexter Avenue North was in place before the 23-year-old was struck and killed by a Seattle police officer racing to a call. The officer has not been charged. The King County Prosecutor's Office has hired an outside firm to investigate. Seattle's Jewish community is on high alert. At least four institutions were targeted recently with suspicious packages. Some contained a white powdery substance. Seattle Times reports the FBI is investigating. The Seattle Fire Department says the substance was non-life-threatening. Still, the Anti-Defamation League in the Pacific Northwest says it's part of a rising trend of anti-Semitic incidents in Washington that include violence, harassment, and vandalism. And yesterday, we told you Washington State Ferries was opening up reservations. Well, things did not go as planned. The opening of winter vehicle reservations was delayed because of technical issues on the State Department of Transportation website. The agency says they'll open up again for reservations on November 14th to cover travel from December 31st through next March 23rd. Seattle's 2023 general election ballots have been cast, and we've got a first look at some of the results. Turnout was looking pretty low, despite all seven of the city council's district seats up for grabs and a new $970 million housing levy for affordable housing. KUOW editor Kat Smith is here to walk us through what we know so far. Hey, Kat, I love that we're continuing this tradition of ending election night with a late night recording of Seattle Now. How's the energy? Trish, it's the middle of the night. (laughs) I'm here. I'm alive with you. We're in the studio. We're putting the kids to bed. We're counting the ballots. (laughs) Yeah, man. All right. Well, let's talk about one of the most significant developments tonight, which is that incumbents seem to be trailing. Oh, my gosh. This is probably the biggest shock of the night that the three incumbents are are down. I think, honestly, the night was not supposed to be this exciting. We were, you know, usually conventional wisdom tells you that incumbents do okay. And that is not what we're seeing so far. Um, Out of the seven city council seats, only three of them have people seeking re-election. And, you know, the early results say all three incumbents running for re-election to Seattle City Council are down right now. So that's Andrew Lewis, Dan Strauss, and Tammy Morales. Andrew Lewis Oh, Andrew Lewis is the furthest behind, like 11 points. It's rough Mm. for him. He's going to have a hard time closing that gap. And then Tammy Morales is trailing her challenger, Tanya Wu, by almost nine points. Dan Strauss is down only by 400 votes. He could close that gap. But the other two, (laughs) (laughs) the other two, Morales and Lewis, they're they're in tough shape. And to to recap, Dan Strauss is in District 6. That's the Ballard in the Fremont area. Andrew Lewis is District 7. That's downtown. And uh, Tammy Morales is District 2. That's South Seattle and the Chinatown International District. Yeah, all very exciting, Kat. Of course, we're going to have to wait a bit to find out if all these races shake out. What can we say tonight about these early returns? Well, a couple things. First, 
everyone who's doing well in the Seattle City Council early results, they're all kind of center left, kind of century. Mm -hmm. The lefties, the progressives, they're just not doing that great right now. This has been kind of a chaotic and unexpected night. And this, you know, maybe this can tell us something interesting about the city's future. It could signal, it could signal that Seattle's ready for a big change, that voters are kind of, they're fed up with rising homicides, visible homelessness, and they they want to toss out their incumbents and vote in a slate of all new people who think a little bit differently, who are slightly more centrist, not as progressive. Um, you know what is really surprising, too? I think there's actually a surprise winner in all of this, and it's not someone whose name is on the ballot. The big winner here tonight is Bruce Harrell, Seattle's mayor. Say more about that, cat. Okay, so Mayor Harrell endorsed a bunch of centrist candidates in all these races, and most of them are doing really well. What this tells me is that the mayor wants to take the city in a new direction. He wants a city council who can vote with him and get some of his policies passed. And if these early results hold, he might get his way. Oh, uh, Trish, something yeah. I want to tell you. Your district, you're District 5 in North Seattle, right? Yeah. That's where you live? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to just give you a little factoid about your district. The most crushing defeat is happening in that district. <laughs> I know. I know, Kat. I saw it myself with my own eyes. Oh, my goodness. Kathy Moore, a former judge who's running in that district, she has the mayor's endorsement. She is absolutely crushing her super progressive opponent, Christiana Obey-Sumner. She's leading yeah. by like 40 points. Her lead is bigger than anyone else's lead. It's massive. And that's your district, your chaotic district. Obey-Sumner endorsed by the stranger, correct? Yes. One of the most progressive people running in this Um, in any of these races. Yeah, yeah. Also on the ballot, the $190 million affordable housing levy up for approval. How's that doing so far? Uh, Yeah, so this was was Proposition 1 on the Seattle voters' ballot. It's a property tax. It aims to raise... Um, like close to a billion dollars over the next seven years for affordable housing. Um, we currently do have a housing levy in Seattle. It's set to expire. So Proposition 1 would be replacing that levy. Um, and right now it looks like um, the measure is leading. And this is important because we have a serious housing shortage in this city, a serious shortage of affordable housing. And we're also one of the fastest growing cities in America, which means our housing shortage could get even more acute in the coming years. So the idea behind a measure like Proposition 1 is that the city needs to fund and build thousands and thousands of new units as fast as possible. And the city wants to do this in part by taxing homeowners. So for a median priced home, which is, boy, oh boy, it's close to a million dollars now in Seattle for a median priced home. Holy moly. So that'll be a tax bill of almost $400 a year if this levy passes. And it it looks like it might, you know, and look, no, no one likes a new tax. It hurts. Paying taxes is no one's favorite pastime. Uh, But city officials hope that the levy is going to create over 3,000 new affordable homes. And they hope it'll help protect more than 600 affordable rental units. And also, this is is Mayor Bruce Harrell's levy, essentially. He supported it. um, He wanted it to pass. And it looks like this is going to be another big win for him tonight. Yeah, historically, housing levies do fairly well here in the city cat. Voter turnout? Doesn't historically do as well, though, especially during non-presidential elections. It hasn't been impressive so far. Do we have official numbers yet on how turnout went? Oh, yeah. Turnout. Turnout is low. (laughs) It's low. It's not looking good. As of uh, as of 8 p.m., that's when we that's when we got these uh, early election results. Just 20 percent of registered voters in the county have had their ballots counted so far. 20 percent. That's it. 
Um, I did literally just tisk a little bit there yeah. with my. I did. <laughs> it's not great. And look, this is still early. The county thinks that that turnout could be about 45% by the time all the votes are counted. But honestly, that's looking like the best case scenario. Um, it's It'll probably end up being lower than that. And part of that's to be expected. Like you mentioned, this is a presidential year. These off years usually see a lower turnout. But whew, these votes are really, really low. Um, a lot of voters are just... <laughs> I, maybe voters are just kind of over it. And not for nothing, these these election cycles can be very exhausting. Voters might be really tired. We're tired here in the studio right now. <laughs> you know what? Actually, we caught up with one of the candidates in the field tonight, uh, Joy Hollingsworth. She's leading yeah. in District 3. She had a great night tonight, and even she was sounding tired. She told us that what she's she told us what she's looking forward to the most after this race is done. Netflix and chill. That's all I want to do in my life. Play the piano, hang out, be with my family, uh, and just kind of rest before actually the work gets started. Well, even if candidates didn't express it, I'm sure many of them are feeling exhausted after the election cycle, Kat. We know some things right now, but we don't know everything, Kat. How much should we hedge in these with these early returns? How much can this change over the next week or so? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hedge. Big time. Big hedge. Yeah. <laughs> this could totally change over the next week or so in a lot of these races. Probably not in District 5, Trish, in your district, like we talked about. Mm. The lead yeah, there with Kathy Moore, it's it's so commanding. But um, honestly, you know, one expert that we spoke to tonight here in the studio, he said that centrists usually have their best night on election night. And then after successive rounds of ballots are counted, then progressives start to catch up. And so people who vote progressive, they just tend to vote later for whatever reason. So we could see that, you know, some of these races break for the progressive candidate later. Are they all going to be able to catch up? I don't know. We'll have to see. Anybody who has been through an election with Shama Sawant knows that things can turn around at the last minute, Kat. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. When's the next vote drop, Kat? Uh, The next vote drop is later today, this afternoon. Around 4 p.m. <laughs> All right. I know you'll be there. KUOW editor Kat Smith really appreciate it. Thanks for staying up late with us again. Thanks, Trish. Let's get some sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Seattle Now. And hey to our newest supporters, Haley and Radesh. You could be a supporter, too. Just follow that link in the show notes. Today's episode was produced by Caroline Chamberlain Gomez. Our production team also includes Claire McGrain, Jenny Cecilmore, Vaughn Jones, Matt Martin, and Lucy Suchek. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow.